All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite sin. I am devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Good evening, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. <laughs> and I'm David Uyoa. And for those of you that still don't watch live, uh, you got you to watch live to see these antics. Uh, <laughs> whenever, whenever I falter over the intro, it's because Daniel's up to no good. And... Uh, <laughs> This is this is this, no this is just how I look now after watching <laughs> Puppet Master. <laughs> this is this is what I've been reduced to. This this guy right here. Oh boy. Um, I'm glad. No, but were... seriously, I'm back. Okay, <laughs> no, that was. Okay, there we are. I was I was prepared for the entire the entire yeah, no. episode. I had to I had to like sit on the theater. floor to do that, and the microphone was on my knees, so it was reverberating weird. Anyway, we're back now, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our summer movie fan fest. And we are joined by, this is actually the first time we've had somebody on the show that neither one of us has met. So without further ado, I would like to welcome everybody. I would like to introduce everybody and welcome Mr. Charlie DeBeauty. Charlie, how are you, man? Hey, guys. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. And Charlie came firing out of a cannon with his request for the movie today. And he wanted to do... Puppet Master, which is a movie I swear I saw in the 90s. I like, but I did not see this cut of it. So I must have caught it on like late night, like broadcast <laughs> TV, maybe one of those like trailer park horror movie festival things. Charlie, what made you pick Puppet Master, man? Um, well, the cool answer would be that it doesn't get caught, talked about a lot. Like this movie hardly ever gets discussed on podcasts or people talking about things, horror movie shows, things like that. Puppet Master just kind of gets passed over. It's a movie that everybody has seen. Like, everybody's seen it. Even if you don't remember you've seen it. Like, Daniel, you said you saw it on TBS late at night. Yeah, you did. Everybody. <laughs> my, you know, my old brother had a Puppet Master poster in his room. Everybody's seen it mysteriously nobody talks about it like but the true answer is it was a knee-jerk reaction <laughs> um, yeah that was it it was just the first thing popped into my head puppet master mostly uh probably because i listen to other podcasts and stuff like that about horror movies and there's not a lot of conversations about the straight to video movement that happened from the mid eighties through the nineties. You're right about that. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah and and especially, no, with as much as, especially with as much as we talk about like 
the the like our generation what got us into this is how often it was like box art and stuff like that and a lot of times these straight to video releases they relied on that awesome box art because nobody Absolutely. knew what the hell they were doing 100% and this is probably because i grew up behind a video store oh nice and yeah it, it was bizarre uh, i look back on my life and i was weirdly primed to be a horror fan <laughs> but like that's what I did with my mowing the grass money was go to this weirdly huge video store that I lived behind. It was independently owned. It wasn't a chain. They all were, and, weren't they? I mean, <laughs> it, it was it was almost like uh, like the doctor's TARDIS, you know, like it, it was this. Yeah, they were bigger store, on the inside and it was bigger on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The horror movie section took up half a whole room. There it is. Mm-hmm. And. But the thing about this place was it wasn't where you went for new releases. Like that was not the place to go for like new releases. It was some it guy was where you went to go backwards. Yeah. Right. Like that's where I saw Big Bad Mama by Roger Corman with like William Shatner. You know, they had it for rent. The place was enormous. So when Puppet Master came out, came out in 1989 and uh i wasn't living there then but i remember i was living there probably when puppet master 2 came out mm-hmm. and it was on the new release shelf and so i picked that up but i didn't rent it and i went back into the horror movie section and rented puppet master okay and yeah and watched that and that was like my first full moon feature. That was a lot of people's first full moon feature. Full moon like really brought that shit to the forefront. Like they brought it up, slammed it down the table and was like, I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but there's this huge distribution market for horror movies. That's called straight to video. And they did it with, they what Charles Band was the guy who started Full Moon. What he was trying to do was make uh, cheap horror movies that felt like theater horror movies. Well, and in in some of my my reading about uh, Puppet Master, the the original Puppet Master, um, the original intention was to have a theater release, so it, it was treated very much like that's right, like like, yep. a, like a, a a film that would have you know, uh, a marketing budget, you know, where money would be thrown at uh, networks, uh, TV networks for, for commercials. Um, you know, you, you obviously you got to pay the theaters to, to, to run your movie and uh, you got to make copies of this thing. So it, like it, a, a theater release is an expensive thing. So you can spend the same amount of money and have a movie that looks just as good as something that's going to be in theaters, except you slash that, that marketing budget right like that you just you 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 throw it on on tape right and right and you know you get some cool box art and fuck if this doesn't have some great box art it's incredible i mean when we're looking at this movie and i mean this franchise like i ended up kind of diving into just the the puppet master franchise as it stands this franchise is 11 movies large they the chronological order of like that they happen isn't the same as the release order like chronologically three happens before two it gets real wild in there the most recent one 
um, was Puppet Master The Littlest Reich. And it was just released three years ago. And it was a reboot. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then there's, there's one that takes place in this universe scheduled to come out this year called Dr. Death. Like this thing is still going. 30 years later, we're looking at uh, we're looking at a franchise that has created memorable characters. One thing about Puppet Master is you take the character of Blade and we're going to get to all the puppets later. But I mean, that's a recognizable character, even if you've never seen yeah. Puppet Master. Yeah. Like people know he was that the weird face. face. Yeah, he was the face of the franchise. So I mean, so, the, so, the, the puppets are what sold it. Yeah. So my question right. for you is, do you believe, uh, we'll start with you, Charlie, do you believe that this is deserving of its cult status? And I mean, is it still fun to watch now, you know, uh, 22 years, 30 years later? All right. Uh, I watched it probably about a year ago. And that was the first time I had watched it since I was a teenager. And it was easily watchable. And immensely enjoyable. Um, I went back and watched it before we did this episode. And uh, it still held. The movie holds up. It does. Uh, mostly because they were kind of swinging for the fences when they did this one. Full Moon was. But it is easily enjoyable. It's easily watchable. It's, it has a lot of story. It has an absolute shitload of story <laughs> for a straight-to-video release. Like, there's a lot going on. It's like an Agatha Christie movie met a horror movie, and then they went and picked up another friend that was kind of a whodunit. There's magicians, everything. They crammed everything into this. There's movie. magicians. There's Nazis. <laughs> yeah, there's Nazis. Yeah. It's an effects movie. Yeah, you know, it, it definitely yeah. is an effects movie. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Uh, b before I go, uh, our number one fan, uh, Frank Kowalski, how's it going, Frank? Uh, he says, 11 movies, Multiverse of Puffets needs to be made at this point. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that'd be kind of cool, especially since the reboot takes place in a like an alternate universe. Right. That, that, that might be a really interesting thing for two different blades to meet. And, uh, and and start wreaking havoc. That might be really cool. Um, so I definitely see the movie's um, cult appeal. Uh, now, now this is one that just like you, Daniel, I swore up and down. I saw this when I was younger. Right. And I don't know if it was on cable. I don't know if it was uh, rented at Blockbuster. Um, there were n no like small mom and pop video stores by where I was. There was uh, but there was a Blockbuster right by me. Uh, the like it, it was much further, the closest mom and pop video store. And, and so I very rarely went into there. Um, it, it wasn't until I got into like middle school and high school when I was like, you know, able to ride bike around, you know, more than just my neighborhood or, or get in my car and drive somewhere that I started hitting up those places because uh, weirdly they still existed. And here in Miami, I'm almost certain it's because they're they're drug fronts because <laughs> um, they're still around. <laughs> yeah, that's but, pretty but much they... what any video store is now. It's either a yeah. gold fence or a drug fund. 
that's all it is. Just yeah. like laundromats and car washes. Yeah. <laughs> They're all for laundering money. Um, so I, um, I, I, I immediately this time around, like I, I didn't remember anything. I didn't remember anything. And so I'm watching this movie and like right away, I was like, I see it's cult appeal. Um, there's, there's something here that if you're, if you're into this thing, like it's got you hook, line and sinker, you know, that's, that's the way I am with what I think is the ultimate cult movie. Uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, I I can like the first time I saw Rocky Horror, I was like, I get it. I, yeah. I, I totally yeah. get this it. Is and, me, and, this and, is and, me now, right? And and not <laughs> not only do I see the appeal that like others have for this thing, but like I get it too. Now, unfortunately, I this isn't for me. <laughs> um, uh, you're right, Charlie. There is so much story in here. Um, I think there's too much story in here, and and, and there I, absolutely I, is too much yeah. story. <laughs> um, I, I I think this this was a we'll get to to, to the to the story, but um, it, to me this was like um, you you said that this was like like the first full moon release, and it totally feels like that. It feels like we've got this idea and we've got that idea. You know, th- this is a freshman release. You yeah. know, this this isn't like a sophomore or a junior release where they're like, okay, we've kind of played the field a little bit. We've learned how to make movies. Now let's make a good one. This was like, I got an idea and a lot of cocaine. <laughs> and... um. And so let's see which one we run out of first, ideas or cocaine. And I'm glad uh, you brought up cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that's that's what this feels like actually yeah. is is just like a like a drug fueled dream uh a lot of the time. Uh and and I don't think it was like poorly made to uh to its credit. You know, I I think that it feels like one of the um, it, it, to me, it almost felt like a like an extended episode of Tales of the Crypt. The way it was shot, and absolutely, yeah. um, uh, with the music, the uh, music, yeah, which uh, which was not good, but it, it had that Tales of the Crypt feel to it. And it was all done on. It was like one dude on a synthesizer. And he was <laughs> he was there. He's like, all right, take take that one section back again. You know, do 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 do. He's like, I got it, I got it. You know, like e- I. <laughs> I think calling I, that a synthesizer is extremely kind and generous. No, no, it's, it's a my I think it was a very mid-range keyboard. That thing was not piano length. No, no, that that was not some classy Mooger Fuger. That's no, like, that was not a Roland. It, no, no. It, it, that's a ten dollar Casio they picked up it's, at a garage sale. The, the uh, depth of keyboard knowledge on this show just got real thick. <laughs> uh, you you usually can't see it because I'm right here, but I got one right here behind me. I'm I'm a big fan, especially of analog synthesizers. Nice. Um. So um. Yeah. There's I I can see the appeal that this movie can have for people. Unfortunately, um, the magic, as it were, is lost on me. But I see the appeal. So this one, it was interesting because, uh, like, when I was watching it last night, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be rough, right? Because Act 1, <laughs> Act 1 is 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 a mess. Um, but you know what? There, there was a phrasing that we used in the show notes here 
that that really got to me and made me kind of reconfigure how I was thinking about it. And it was just, is it still fun to watch? And whether I was laughing with it or at it, I did get a good amount of laughs out of this. <laughs> um, I... I I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump over a river here and say that I, I think it's a good movie, but I think that when we're looking at understanding the cult status and and is it fun to watch? I think it's undeniably fun to watch once you get like I said it's that first act that first act I just I did not know if I was gonna make it like some of the audio mixing was so bad and Tubi apparently doesn't offer closed captions for everything. Oh my god, that was terrible. <laughs> I, I watch everything with captions even when it doesn't need it. And this time around it needed it. And I was like, fuck, I don't have it. And, uh, but like ultimately when it was all said and done, warts and all, it, it was fun to watch. I mean, like there were, there were intriguing, you know, dolls, puppets that we're going to get to there. Were, and Charlie's right. Like it's got everything, but Dave, you're right too. It has everything in it. It's too much. Like it's this, it's this really weird one. And sometimes we have that talk about like a movie sticking with you, right? And like recommending it. And when, when we get to metrics, we always talk about recommending it. But when it comes to sticking with you, man, like this movie has been on the front of my brain for 24 hours now. <laughs> like, like, and not just this movie, but like, like I said, looking into this franchise that like, like I said, at some point, like, yeah, you know, there's, there's more Nazis. And at one point there's a whole nother set of demonic toys that apparently they go to war. That's with. right. That's right. <laughs> demonic toys. That's a whole other thing. Right. Yeah. Like it's just, the whole concept is so bizarre that it's like, like, like Charlie said, like full moon was just like, here it is like, this is, this is what we're going to do. And we're not pulling any punches and we're going to give it all to you. And, and, and I got to respect that a little bit. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to be like, this was incredible, but I am going to say, if we're looking at the question of just, is it fun to watch, man, that first time that pinhead like pops up, like out of the out of the casket like that shit is like big human hands little tiny porcelain head like that's an that's an inescapably funny moment <laughs> like it's just it, there there's so many little things like that like blade running through the hotel lobby like panting and somehow nobody notices him like just some of that well, I, I like it when he I scares like the woman in breath. front of it yeah, like she like, catches him she's like ah yeah, yeah, but and, but yeah, and he's like out of breath. It's like, do you have wooden lungs, Chief? Like, what is <laughs> like okay, so he built you, but then he give you good cardio. That's cool. I see you. So like, it, it was. Well, he's he's in where, where is it? California, right? They're in like Southern California, and he's wearing right. a black trench coat. That you is know? true. So you you, you got to dress for your environment, man. This, this and the Nazi assassins that come for Andre yeah. Toulon are I don't. I don't think they could have dressed more like Nazis. <laughs> right? Like this was 1939. This is before Pearl Harbor. If there were going to be Nazis walking around in the U.S., that is exactly what they would look like. Like the only yes. thing they could have been doing was goose stepping down the sidewalk. <laughs> like you know, like yeah, just big ass iron yeah. cross on their, yeah. on their They go into the hotel and nobody seems to pay them any mind, and they are absolutely just Nazis. Like just 
Oh, there are those German yeah. sympathizers. Oh, yeah. Man, guys. yeah, they had like Wasika throwing stars, you know, like. <laughs> I guarantee you that if we, if I sit down and watch all eleven of these, at some point one of these dolls has thrown a swastika ninja right. star. But uh, going back to what Dave said, you know, when you uh, like this was officially the first full moon release, right? Mm-hmm. And but it wasn't. It kind of wasn't because have you guys ever seen the movie Trancers? No, no. Okay, well, buckle up. All right. <laughs> Charles Band, the guy who started Full Moon Features, his first movie under his first production company, which was out of Rome, was called Trancers. And Trancers was like, have you ever been watching a movie and in the movie, the people in the movie are watching a movie? And yes. they generally portray a movie as a kind of parody of a movie genre. So everything's kind of exaggerated and played for comedy. Yeah. That's Trancers, only it's 100% serious. <laughs> like, all right, um, to give you an idea, the main character, the guy's name is Jack Death. Yes. Jack Death, and he is a time-traveling Hel- cop who... <laughs> has to catch and kill time traveling zombies it's insane i can't even explain it like not without pulling the wikipedia up so anyways yeah you say there's a lot of story and puppet master oh my god this sounds like like so bad it's good if that makes any sense yeah all right uh when you watch it character in this movie yeah Yeah, when you watch it, Jack Death of the Future, Jack Death of the Future and Jack Death of the Past are played by the same actor. And to differentiate the two, they give him hair dye. Yes. Yeah. So that was the first one, right? That was Charles Band's first one. So when you watch that movie and then you watch Puppet Master, he really pumped the brakes. On Puppet Master. Uh, All right. Yeah, this I was so. him. The fact this that was we now have a only... touchstone for Puppet Master being <laughs> pumping the brakes. That's right. Elevated. That's it. right. This was him only doing coke six times a day. <laughs> you know, as opposed to like trancers where he had like a cocaine oxygen mask, you know, a Mad Max. Immortant Joe breathing <laughs> yeah. apparatus where, you know, it atomizes the cocaine, you know, like. Oh, that's so, incredible. Yeah. Now, Transfers doesn't stream because uh, oh. I was like, I, I got to find this thing. Uh, but there is uh, the uh, they do have like the Elvira series where where she uh, did like uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 style commentary. And uh, they have her commentary over transfers. So um, still might I, check that out. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I think they I have Elvira's that. commentary over transfers. Yeah. Holy crap! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is like B movie meta right there. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, right here. It's eight dollars, and I'm pretty sure I'm picking it up right now. <laughs> yes. Anyway. <laughs> so um 
the story. The right? story. Um, the uh, the story, which we now know is Charles Band pumping the brakes. Um, I I titled this section of the show Nazis and Magic and Dolls Oh My uh, because that's kind of what it felt like to me. You know, it was just like yeah. there's there's all this here, right? So uh, this is a surprisingly complex narrative, right? This is stuff to the brim and then more, right? Um, that is really what drives this movie forward. Very rarely do you have, I think, a horror movie and a slasher at that that is driven forward by its narrative. It's usually just the kills that drive these movies forward, right? Um, so I guess my question is, number one, is is it a compelling story and number two in the end does the story matter at all similar to like a friday the 13th or or something like that so charlie we'll uh we'll go back to you all right well okay the first puppet master um it's like there are two movies happening at once right yes it's almost like there are two b movies going on at the same time they had the same film location and they it was like uh you know the raven and the terror you know they were like fuck it we're just you know we'll shoot two movies at the same place so you've got this narrative where there are uh psychics and you've got the two kinky scientists yeah and they all simultaneously received this message from this guy they knew, Neil Gallagher. He's dead. He's having his funeral in this gigantic, completely empty hotel on the coast. Not suspicious at all. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you've got this other narrative where under Toulon at the very beginning, it was 1939. Played by, played these, by the immaculate William Hickley, by the way. William yes, Hickley. and he has one line. He has one <laughs> line in the movie he goes i know that's it that's his whole part and then he blows his brains out after every, he every, every time i saw there. him I, I i i kept hearing his lines from christmas, christmas vacation. vacation oh yeah. my god yeah. i was thinking you about that before i came on here tra- driving through a nitroglycerin plant the blessing oh. that's what i kept saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that is that was his peak <laughs> that was his that was the mountain right Released there the same yeah. year, i'm pretty sure uh yeah it, uh, 89 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'm pretty sure he never read a script in his life <laughs> i think they just pointed the camera at him and said just go go and they just stuck around till he nailed it i believe it uh, but uh so you have this other narrative with the puppets and the puppets get put in the wall they find the puppets. But if you really look at this movie, the puppets aren't really strong in it. Really, the stronger narrative of it is the psychic and the whodunit thing about Neil Gallagher. Yeah. The puppets kind of pop up intermittently, you know? And yeah, yeah that like the really stronger narrative is why they're all there. Uh, why they got called there, why they had the premonitions, the damn stuffed dog, 
you know, <laughs> all of that. But that really <laughs> takes the forefront of the narrative of the movie. And the puppets, it, it, you know, like when you said, it's it's not a good movie <laughs> because it really is like there are two movies going on and they're like rubbing up against each other, but they're not blending. You know, it kind of comes together at the end, but. There, there's a really interesting comparison that you made at the top, Charlie, that that I, I, I'm sure that, that there are literary experts and Dave himself might die a little bit inside. But making making that Agatha Christie comparison makes a lot of sense. Like just this this group that's been pulled together that that's trying to that who yeah. done it, that who done an angle. I, I like that comparison. But man, yeah, there's there's so much here with this story and all these characters are so over the top like like you said there's the two that like the one girl where she claimed you know they're like oh no she can get in a car and tell you everybody who's owned it but all we ever get to see is when she's experiencing other people having sex right right and there's a there's a name for that and it's a five dollar word man it's called psychometrist nice that is the official name for somebody who can touch things and glean their history. Okay. But you're right. But yes, yeah, so these that's... characters are here to fuck. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so we just, we just keep getting them. We've got the, the one lady who has, who does like the premonitions and, you know, she's, she's always with the feather and, and burning the flash paper and she's got candles and stuff everywhere. She does, she does psychic readings on a boardwalk and, and then, yeah, then you've got the guy who's just like, yeah, I dream, you know, <laughs> it's like the okay. professor. Yeah, the professor. Which was, uh, what's from, his name? From American Graffiti. From American <laughs> yeah. goddamn Graffiti. Yeah. And he I, was I, the greaser yeah. in that movie. He was the I, cool guy. I saw him. Talk and I was, about a 180. <laughs> I was like, you're going to beat Harrison Ford in a street race, aren't you? <laughs> and so there's just, there's, there's all this insanity going on. And you're right, because then there's also, like, part of the whodunit is that whole subplot of, maybe Neil's not actually dead, even though, you know, like she stabs him with the giant hat pin and like, but his body keeps moving and nobody's sure who's doing it. And it's, it is interesting because they tell you in the title of the movie, it's the movie's called puppet master, not just puppets. Right. So you should know that the focus of the movie is <laughs> going to be on. That would have been great if it was just called puppets. Right, but so you should know, like, oh, okay, the focus of the movie's on the guy who, whoever the person controlling these puppets is. But you're so sucked into these characters and the puppets that you're just like, hey, where is one? Where is one? Like eyes darting all around the screen. Like I'm watching for silhouettes and like like Jester popping up on the other side of the curtain. Even though I don't think you ever really fully saw him in this movie, except for at the very beginning when he's putting him in the case. But like he kind of uh, slides. You see, you see him towards the end as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's in right. there. Yeah. He is. But like you, you see him slide behind the curtain. Like just, just so many weird, bizarre things like that are just crammed into this. And like then you sit back and you go, "Damn, this whole movie happened like in a day." <laughs> like from the point, yeah. like like the right. point till they get to the hotel to the point that the professor leaves, it's like. That was 24 hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and if, if you want to break it down, all right, <laughs> you've got psychical research, right? You've got Egyptian uh, necromancy. You've got alchemy. You've got uh, 
carny mysticism. <laughs> You've got possessed puppets. You've got the gothic setting of an abandoned, you know, an empty hotel by the ocean. The waves are crashing up against the rocks, always crashing up against them. It's high tide all the time. You know, like all of it, all of it is crammed into this movie because they were swinging for the fences. You know, in the world of full moon, this was, you know, their Maltese Falcon, you know, like... (laughs) Okay, Charlie, here's the thing, man. I I keep wanting to scoff at these things that you're saying, all right? Uh, Daniel kind of alluded to this. Like, I teach literature, all right? I've got multiple literature degrees. And when you said Agatha Christie, I was like, no, the fuck he didn't. And then I stopped myself, and I was like, fuck. You're right. <laughs> because it is. It's like it's it's like trashy Agatha Christie. Right. right. It this doesn't is, mean yeah, they grocery, it all. This is yeah, grocery no, store aisle. Yeah. This is grocery <laughs> store checkout aisle, Agatha Christie. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, on and the then you just laid you, you just laid down the Maltese Falcon. I'm balls deep in a in a Humphrey Bogart marathon right now. All right. I did Casablanca two days ago. All right. I did uh I did Maltese Falcon yesterday. All right. Um, and and Bogey's one of my favorite actors of all time. All right. Uh, like I've seen his movies hundreds of times at this point. And I'm like, how dare you? And then I stopped. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yes, yeah. this is trashy Maltese Falcon. It's trashy Maltese. <laughs> That's and that was the beauty. And all right, like, and I, I know I'm I'm probably gonna get off on a tangent here, but Straight-to-video horror movies or straight-to-video movies in general. It was when they were available in video stores. Now, if, you're av- if you can stream it, if you can watch it online, you don't know that there's that line, right? You don't know that it was in a sub-genre or it was in a bracket of straight-to-video. You knew that when you went to a video store, because when you got it off the shelf and you walked over and laid it on the counter, uh, there, you know, you had to make a decision. You understood that there was a quality ceiling, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. You, it you, was you only gonna go up Raiders so high. Dark here, yeah. Right, and. So you understood it. Like you go and you look and subspecies is standing right there. It's a half naked woman being carried off by a horde of tiny vampires. And you're like, yes, I'm in. Let's go. I'm 13 years old. There's probably going to be tits in this. Yeah, I'm in. Driving. So and you didn't care. And even the and, you know, even a lot of that. So. I think, and this will probably go into the metrics later, but when I say that it was the Maltese Falcon or that it was Agatha Christie or things like that, that's what things they were going for. A hundred percent. And they didn't pull it off at all. But there is, there, there is, you have to step back into a bracket and you have to kind of understand where, what you're looking at. And everything. And yeah, comparisons can be made, but it is what it is. 
And yeah, if you and love it, you love it for what it is. I, you know, um, the the more we talk about this, the the more I end up liking this movie. Um, <laughs> it's, I, it's, I had a feeling that that was going to happen with this one, man. Yeah, it, been, it's been it's been growing on me all day. It, uh, yeah, it, it's it's the kind of movie where I I started talking to some people at work about it today, um, and uh, only one guy had seen it, and and I was like, okay, well that's you know par for the course. And um, the, I think the story is its biggest problem uh, because in attempting to do all these things, it doesn't really bring anything to fruition. So, like, nothing is ever truly explained. Um, like, there's a, 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 there's a sense of mystery and, and exposition uh, that, that needs to happen or doesn't need to happen. Uh, but I think, like, things need to be explained. Right. Like uh, like he says, yes, I, I uh, you know, I, I, I committed suicide, but uh, but then I used the uh, the Egyptian spell to come back to life. Like, well, you, are you, you talking about Are you talking getting into Puppet Master 2 here? No, no, that's at the end. No, of that, the that's, that's that's what that's what Gallagher oh, uh, says. that's what Neil. Yeah, does. Ga Ga okay. yeah. Gallagher says that. I'm sorry. And yeah. and and I'm like, OK, great. So you were fucking dead. How did you use the spell? <laughs> You know, like like give us like, like a little bit here, you know, um, again, the, quality ceiling. Right, right. You know, so right. I, I think I think because you know, I, I do love the setting. I love this idea of this, uh, you know, what was in the 30s, this this gorgeous hotel, you know, the Southern California Hotel in in that, you know, Mediterranean style, you know, that that we we associate with California. You know, it, it is the Maltese Falcon. It is the big sleep. It is. Uh, and then there were none. It's, it's all those things. Noir. Uh, yeah, it's 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 smart, right? Um, and and it does have that that Agatha Christie, you know. And, and then there were none quality to it, you know. That Death on the Nile quality to it. Um, unfortunately, I think just like every single little element of story that it picks up and says, "Yeah, we're gonna do this," it kind of abandons to pick something else up. It it reminded me almost like a um. Like if you've ever seen uh, groups of children playing together where like one kid is playing with a truck and this other kid that's on the other side of the room who was not playing with a truck sees the kid playing with a truck. And he's like, I'm going to drop this thing here and I'm going to go play with that truck over there. So there's only ever like one thing being played <laughs> with because all the kids want to play with that one fucking thing. Right. And right. It's to, to me, that's what this was, where it was like the story is this now and the story is that now and the story is this other thing now. And then none of the other things ever really resolved. And, and, and I think in a in a movie where so much is made of its story to drop the ball on that is like the the primary like that. That's that's a cardinal sin. You well, know, Dave, right. it's I almost think, like I, it's almost like a tragedy. I, th I think the yeah. I think the obvious answer here, Dave, is you need to watch the other ten. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, because, it really no. because I, I'm sure by then you're going to understand all of it perfectly and yeah. crystal clear. <laughs> well, because here, here's the other thing is like, you know, I, I, I will always make concessions for story. You know, so if the story is not great, there's got to be something else there driving it along. Whether right, like it, we loved the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that story was dog shit. <laughs> it, it was it was awful. It was a terrible story, but there was constantly something happening. To me, this was boring. I, I I I I found myself often checking my phone. I was like, oh, wait, did I feel a buzz? And I hadn't. It was just my my body trying to, like, force itself uh, to stay awake. And it was um, it was it, it was it was like Toulon dies in like the first, you know, three or four minutes of the movie. And then, and then no one dies <laughs> until like half literally halfway, like 45 minutes, 50 minutes into the movie. No one dies. There's one okay. attack where a <laughs> where a red hot poker with <laughs> seriously this much intensity the maid yes but yeah just yeah but that much <laughs> intensity is is slammed against the 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 maid the you know the he gets poleaxed by pinhead yeah <laughs> yeah it, and I was just like but all he did was like gently touch it to your head what and and that happened hands. not non non-stop like the guns never fired <laughs> yeah the guns never fired uh, like the these this is not like um okay we can't afford blanks so let's go buy cap guns right like there was not even smoke the god there was there was <laughs> there was there was a moment there was a moment it was like a on. russian spy gun <laughs> Yeah, they all had like they all had like 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 the Lugers. Yeah, they were. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like yeah. there there was a moment early on, like that that really set really the rubber. tone for me. Yes, <laughs> but uh, so um, William Hickley William Hickey shoots himself. Then so the Nazis show up and find him dead, and then they like stage freeze yeah. for a solid ten seconds before it fades to black. Like they're, they're just yeah. standing there. They're like, standing guns. there with their guns up in the air. And if you look, if you go back and watch it, they actually look at each other <laughs> with their guns sitting up in the air like this was our purpose. We have no purpose now. What do we do? And then, they just, and yeah. then, like, it's that, it's and just, then it fades to black. Stage freeze. Yeah. And you're like, um, and then it fades to black. I was like, okay, that that was one quality of the, ceiling. I just found it. That was that was one of the many like really puzzling uh technical things that happened in the movie and we we don't have like a a technical section for this one i i, I thought it best to just leave that out um but i will oh, we mention... don't have to we can go <laughs> yeah. on and on about it yeah. i i there's I no did... bottom <laughs> <laughs> that's really what it is like th there were these like fairly cool and i say fairly cool uh because at this point it, it was you know also fairly played out um like the POV shots of the killer, right? And we get it yeah. from Blade's perspective. Like, that is kind of cool. But then we have these, like, jarring cuts where it goes from POV and then, like, quick cut, and you're looking at Blade. And it was very disorienting because you're also not looking at Blade from the same angle where Blade was looking at. You're looking at him from higher up. And for me, it was one of these things where I was like, okay, um, I've watched a lot of movies. 
I've studied movies. Um, I've never seen this done before. Like not even amateur movies do these jarring cuts this way. It's very avant-garde. Um, <laughs> maybe that's it. Yeah, it's, maybe it's, that's it's, it. Yeah. There's it, a, there, I think there's an Eastern European word for it. It's called cocaine. Yeah, Uh, and I actually think with the full moon, like some of their cameras actually ran on cocaine. (laughs) Like, but what you were saying, Dave, like you're right. Um, mm -hmm. There is a lot of story that's going on, like just rampantly, almost just like somebody throwing out fireworks. You know, it's just there's all this stuff. There's when Dana gets back to her room. Uh, Gallagher's sitting there in the chair <laughs> and she doesn't even act surprised. She's like, ho ho. And she like spits dust up in the air. And then she's like talking to him and the dogs there and everything. Like there's a lot of this going on and it's exactly that they were kind of, <laughs> you know, I use the Maltese Falcon. I use the Agatha Christie thing, but it's almost like Maltese Falcon, Agatha Christie, trying to be translated through a meth addict <laughs> you know that's the best way they can understand yeah. it. you know like also, so how how does how does the egyptian spell actually work because well, we, we, we caught a glimpse of the hieroglyphs right and then we we don't actually ever see anyone ever recite a spell or um uh like an incantation or anything like that and then when Megan picks up the dog, the dog is still taxidermied. Yes, right. a stuffed dog. Uh, it, it is. It is still a stuffed dog. And then halfway through walking up the stairs, the dog is now alive. That is a but, that is a live ass Pekingese halfway up those stairs. That's because right. that well, there's actually an answer to that. That's because she revived the dog. Well, no, because... I, I, I get that, but how? We never we never saw her say yeah, you never you never see the anything. serum. All right. Now, what you need to this is the thing about Puppet Master. This is another thing why it was kind of a little bit of a high watermark for the straight to video market is it came with a good built in backstory. Right. So. Yep. And I can't, I cannot consistently say I'm probably wrong about this, but it's almost as if they will, they purposely withheld things from the movie to make a sequel. Now, okay. I say this, and then you watch Puppet Master 2, <laughs> right? Which is a whole other thing. Like, you want to watch Puppet Master 2? Go watch Puppet Master 2. It's, uh, it is Puppet Master 2. Look, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to watch it before the summer's out. Like, I, I, I yeah. got to know more. But, yeah. And it's, it's kind of like uh, what you guys talked about in the Phantasm episode. Um, there is a lot that's alluded to. And, and when you're making a low budget movie, especially something like this, where you're trying to go with high dollar, you really got to hammer on a dime till it looks like a dollar, you know? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times, and again, 
I'm just spitballing here. It probably wasn't this way. But you look at when Neil, when Tunler digs into Neil's leg, his, he doesn't have blood. He has the goop, right? right. The green stuff. Like in Phantasm. Right? Like in <laughs> yeah. Phantasm, right? So it's alluded to that there is something, there is a process going on here. And I would say if I was making that movie and I had already shoehorned so much fucking story into this movie, so much going on, and it's not working, you know, it is all going on at the same time. Like, I'm, I, he probably couldn't physically get any more exposition into the movie. So Tunnler gets into his leg. He's green goop. That's the explanation. It's the green goop. <laughs> it's the fair you enough. Know? Yeah. So, so at the core of this, this remarkably full story, we get a list, we get a cast of characters who are psychics. They're magicians. They're, 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 I mean, they're, they're eclectic, right? They're from all over. They do all sorts of things. So, when you look at what they can all pull off, when you look at what we get from those characters in this movie, like are they are they interesting? Do are are they are they what you want to see when you're watching it? Do they, do they shoulder this the massive burden of this huge story? Well, Charlie, um, the main character, no, he is essentially the human equivalent of a square. <laughs> And I'm and I'm not talking about it in the beatnik sense. I'm not talking about it like some rebel kid talking to his teacher, telling him to comb his hair. Talking geometry. I'm talking about the actual shape <laughs> of a square. Uh, he's a professor of anthropology, uh, and his superpower seems to be that he is always at the just terrifying subject of his nightmares, like. That's his thing. He doesn't even have that many lines in the movie. If you go back and watch it, he's pretty much the main character. And he only, he's barely got any dialogue whatsoever. Uh, Gallagher's wife, if I had to guess, was probably the most intriguing character because you never know if she's a good guy or a bad guy. And you still don't until right. The and, yeah, right. And you still don't. Uh, Dana, you know, Dana was drunk. You know, and, she had the dog, and she had that accent. God, that accent. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it, comes, and and it, goes. it comes and goes. It's exactly how it's, it's, it's now, like Harry Fisher's Princess Leia. You know, she's right. British in one episode or one scene, and she's you know uh, Midwest in another. Cajun right after that. <laughs> so and then then we get into the kinky scientists. All right. And these two again, there's a lot of story crammed into this movie. Uh, a lot of something crammed into something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And the whole section of the movie where they're in the hotel, they're in their hotel room. She's in the bathtub. And they got to take off all the boxes. Oh, yeah, there's a tit. Ah, great. All right. Okay, cool. Tick. Tick that box. And she's wanting him to come in there. And he's like, no, I don't want I've got a lot of work to do. She comes out of the bath. He's got a fucking pantyhose over his head <laughs> and wanting to choke her and shit. And so my 
always watching this movie, the funniest part of the movie was always this guy getting tied up in the bed, blindfolded. When Leech Lady gets on him and is crawling on his naked chest <laughs> and starts barfing up leeches on him. It takes, a, it takes a while him. for him to realize that there is an animated porcelain person to, to crawling me, on top of his naked chest. She's giving him little kisses and he thinks it's the yeah. woman. And I'm like, her that's mouth right. is this big. That was, that's that was right. the best part of that scene. And so for the longest he's time. on his nipple and he's yeah. like, yeah. oh, yeah. 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 He's like, oh, your mouth shrunk to an almost impossible size. Yeah. <laughs> No, this is incredible. Yeah. So for the longest time, I thought that was the funniest scene because, oh, that was like a flub, right? You know, like, you know, there's no way this guy would do that. But then you look at how kinky they get just in their own little segment of that movie. Like she demands that he get. uh into the bath with her and he gets the pantyhose on his head. All of that happens within almost six minutes. All right. So you're getting like this concentrated view of their life. So yeah, I don't think he would have noticed. I think at that point he would have just been like, Oh, this is new. You yeah, because he, he kept referring to like the 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 oh is this one of, is this one of those unnamed pleasure aids? <laughs> that oh god that line, I forgot about that. The unnamed pleasure aids. <laughs> yeah, Dave, Dave what do you think about the characters, man? So I um I actually really like the characters uh, because uh the the way charlie put it before like uh these are characters like right out of an agatha christie story uh you know if this was clue you know you you'd have you know yeah exactly. and professor plum and uh and and, and miss scarlet and and all of them you know and and that's what this is these are um like 1930s and 1940s stereotypes like like a professor of anthropology you know like that's that's such a classic like mystery profession to have you know and and how does he fit in with like a sideshow act you know (laughs) uh and and yet and yet somehow it does you know there's there's this very um you know, uh, like we're we're t- we're taking a, a a Nile River cruise thing here going on, you know, and and part of that is the like the exotic locale. Like I know it's just Southern California, but this hotel is very exotic looking, and and it, it, it not just because it's exotic looking, but also because it's 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 antique, right? Like its design is very clearly uh, old and almost otherworldly. So. Uh, it, it like it, it's it's got the the perfect setting for these characters that seemingly have nothing in common except for the fact that um, they all study um, something related to either the natural or the supernatural, right? Um, like th- that that's really I, I think that's really interesting, and for me that that's what 
kept me watching because there, there, there were a number of occasions where I told myself, okay, well, if I turn the movie off and I just pretend like I watched it, I can probably talk about it for, you know, for, for an hour and a half. Like, that, that'll be fine. Like they won't know, you know? Um, but then, then one of the characters would do something funny, you know? And, and, and I think that they were in fact funny. Um, you know, whether it was the, the sex addict or the researcher, like there were little lines that made me chuckle. Um, and, and I don't think it was smartly written, but I think, uh, cause I, I think that would be giving it too much credit, but I, th- I think that there were things in there that the ca- that, that the actors brought to it. Um, because although the acting is not good, um, I think the acting is comically bad. Where, where, uh, where I don't think the like the rest of it, like I, I, on a technical aspect, the movie is not comically bad. I think it's just like bad, um, like sad. Like it's just sad, <laughs> you know. Um, but, uh, but the acting is comically bad. Like I think they knew they were making a B movie and they leaned into that. Uh, there's, there's one line where um, the. Uh, the psychic researcher uh he's he's talking into his uh you know uh dictaphone or whatever it was his, his tape recorder and um he uh he says uh it's something like um psychosexual experiment uh number 517a <laughs> and he drops that a Damn. in there like like there's going to be a part b to this thing you know like yeah. 517 things- needed some more exploration <laughs> yeah you know like t- to me it's it's the little things like that where it was like the characters themselves did feel like even though they were characterizations you know uh they were caricatures uh they weren't real characters like they're, they're not multifaceted or anything like that but they knew exactly what that one facet the character had was they they knew how to exploit it for whether it was for laughs or for um you know uh creeps or whatever it was uh so this was the one area i can definitely say i like the characters yeah and, and man when you're going to talk about the, the actors kind of embracing like that one thing that they had for the character dude uh, his, his name is Jimmy F. Skaggs, the guy who played Neil Gallagher. He mm-hmm. really embraced the fact that his face is so manic. Like, yeah. like even even like when he's yes. like, even when he's sitting there, you know, and, and we don't when we think he's dead still, but he's just like posed. Like it's just like that is the face of a crazy person. Like even when he's trying to very calmly like deliver his little uh, his little monologue about how he's perfected all of this stuff and he found the puppets there's a there's a joker-esque mania to like to this guy's face oh that, man. that was that was that no lie that is the oiliest motherfucker yes like he looked like he would embezzle the make a wish foundation like he looks like just <laughs> evil like he is a complete and utter sociopath Yes. And just and, everything he says, even the way his mouth moves when he talks, is just so disdainful and awful. So yeah, I yeah, I completely agree with that. that they like, nailed he, it with that yeah, guy. He was he was incredible at that. And, and I I I agree with everything that you guys have said. Yeah. Main character professor guy was as just flat as four day old soda, right? But like everybody else really did 
kind of embraced what they were doing. Like, yeah, Dana's accent came and went, but damn, she was fun. Like she yeah. was fun to see. And like, what, 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 what's she getting up to this time? You know, she like burns the flash paper on his door and stuff like that. Just all the, you're right. The, the characters did were the saving grace here, because like I said, you could, you could laugh, you could laugh at them, but it wasn't because it was just so awful. It was just because they were so perfectly delivering these like trumped up ideas of kind of what that character should be. And that shit was funny. Like it was, it, it did drive, they drove it more so than trying to figure out where in this Mississippi sized river of a story I was right. Like, like yeah. just, just wanting to keep up with them and see what they got into next. Like that's enough to keep you interested in this movie, which is a triumph. And so there, there's definitely something to be said about the characters and everything they brought to it. Middle-aged Scooby-Doo. There we go. <laughs> just one scene where they're running through doors in the hotel. Please. Just yeah. puppet, puppet chasing Dana. Yeah, door, door. Exactly. Dana chasing yeah. puppet. <laughs> yeah. but, but make sure that we hear the puppet out of breath. Yes. But yeah. then just, just give us a second blade, hands on his knees, like <laughs> what's funny is what's funny is, and this was in the first one, if you really crank the volume up. Uh, it's more prevalent in the second one, but, uh, if you really crank the volume up, there is uh sound for pinhead. He does when he's doing it, they did give like a, <laughs> like, but it, it's so hard to hear. I was like, why did you put it in there? There was a moment like, that made me wish that I had sub that I had like closed captions that, that they would have turned on because when uh, when he puts Blade away at the very beginning of the movie and and like and William Hickey says something to him and you just I wish that there would have been subtitles. The Blade just goes and it's like I just I just wanted to, I just wanted to see a subtitle that said sad puppet noise, <laughs> sad puppet noise, sad right. puppet, angry goes, puppet noise. Yeah, because he just he just goes and I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah that's um that's that that's some real writing there. <laughs> yeah. um the um the 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 fourth and final section before we get into rating the movie uh i think i have um very aptly named hello dolly oh, um, I, love it. I love it yeah and and so we are introduced to uh, what I believe is most of the uh, the the dolls that exist in the entire series right here in the very first one. We've got Blade, Pinhead, Leech Woman, Tunneler, and Jester. And they all come in this very first movie. And, and all receive a pretty good amount of airtime with the exception of Jester, who's only in there at the beginning and the end. Um, so... Uh, obviously we also have, uh, Toulon who doesn't really play too much of, uh, of a role throughout the movie, although his name comes up quite often, right? So like his specter is looming over the whole movie and then there's Gallagher, right? The puppet master. Right. Um, so how do they function as killers in this movie? Right. Because, um, Friday the 13th has Jason Child's Play, has Chucky, Nightmare on Elm Street, has Freddy. Um, 
you can't forget Michael Myers, right? So um, in the pantheon of slasher killers, how do these guys work? Um, and are they enjoyable to watch? Charlie? Well, okay, here is another... Here's another point where Puppet Master managed to thread a hard needle, right? Because the puppets are obviously homicidal. That's their function in the movie, right? But uh, they, it's the movie seems to say that because Gallagher has come back to life, they see him. Uh, like Toulon. So they see him as their father. So the movie projects this idea that they are children, that they are uh, essentially children of Toulon or of the puppet master. Mm-hmm. And in the end of the movie, Gallagher uh, rejects them. He's disgusted by them, which is weird because he acts like he's never seen them before. Right. And that that's a whole other thing. But the puppets turn on him, right? Because they were just doing what they were told. And I think that was one of the reasons Puppet Master succeeded was because it managed, even for a straight-to-video movie, for as low budget as it was, it managed to endear the audience towards the puppets. Because it's hard for audiences, especially in the 80s, to hate puppets. (laughs) Right? You're talking about a generation that grew up on Fraggle Rock and the Muppet Show, Sesame Street and everything. You have a horror movie with puppets. They're going to have to, like, once again, pump the brakes and bring that back to where the puppets may not be as bad as they think. But as far as puppet horror movies go, I think puppet horror movies require a certain level, especially horror movie fans, of suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a puppet. It's a fucking puppet. Right? It's a goddamn puppet. <laughs> right? Like, Jason Voorhees is... 280 pounds of man meat just bulldozing through a building with a you know a weapon coming at you a puppet is something you can easily toss away you know throw in a garbage can anything child's play chucky he didn't have human strength he just had puppet strength and this is the same thing so you have to have the suspension of disbelief so going into that, are the puppets deadly killers? I think yes. But for the reason that the designers of these puppets were so creative that they made them so iconic. And without that, the movie never would have happened. Yeah, I think, without- I think iconic is, is the key word there. Like mm-hmm. you, you, when you look at the designs of these puppets like that's that's what sells this movie like on top of everything else 
Right. A tunneler. You look at Blade. You look at Pinhead. All of them. And it begs the question, this Toulon guy was deranged because he's a puppet he made. But at the same time, that's what sold the movie. That's what was on the poster. You know, and it was different methods of killing people. They each one have was lethal in a different way. So as killers, I say this is incredibly effectual because it adds variety to a movie. You know, it's not one killer. It's not one slasher. There is variety to it because it's a team thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like mm-hmm. it, it's like that whole thing where uh, it, it's like the whole concept. It's like a zombie, not a problem, right? A horde of zombies is when There's you're in danger. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, like if, if you were, if you're just one-on-one and you're not unsuspecting against Blade, yeah, you can square up. I'm, I'm sure you can hold your own, right? Little punch, yeah. boom, done. Driller but, gets you in the leg. Right, exactly. You know? But then all of a sudden, yeah, you've got, you've got one digging into your calf. You know, you got you got the one who just had with his big meaty man hands, just pinhead, just just grab you. I mean, he like squeezed that woman's calf like hard enough to just rip it open. Uh, I mean, so like obviously, yeah. you know, like he's got grown ass man strength in uh, in his real hands, much like the uh, the Swedish chef, right? Like he's got <laughs> he's a puppet with real hands. Um, and Cookie Monster, and, yeah. Like uh, what we get here is. It's a, a, a lot like we talked about with the actors. We get a cast of characters that are fun. And not only do they make you afraid of them, but then kind of get you on their side towards the end, you know, and that you realize they can kind of think for their own and, and stuff like that. But they give us a moment in the middle where it's like, and maybe they're a little horny because they're <laughs> fighting over who gets to look through the keyhole right now. That's right. (laughs) So it's like... I remember they're children. Yeah, exactly. So it's just... (laughs) There's all these, like, really just goofy, funny things. And, man, for everything... Okay, like, when you see Blade, you're like, all right, that's a puppet with a blade on his hand. I get it. He's going to cut people. You see Pinhead. That dude's got huge hands. I get it. He's going to punch people. But when Leech Lady shows up for the first time... That moment when she actually starts puking up leeches <laughs> yeah. was so out of left field. But then again, it immediately kind of made some sense because he had a dream about leeches. But then at the same time, you're like, why is this an ability? Like, yeah. like <laughs> again, she, Andre who would, Toulon. Who would think of this? Yeah. <laughs> Andre Toulon was a deranged right. motherfucker. It's like, it's like also, and where does she get the leeches? Exactly. Also, <laughs> is part of the power she's endued with is that she's manifesting these leeches <laughs> to put right. them out. Like that whole that leech lady took this to like a whole nother level of insanity, but. Again, it was it was like okay, sure, right? Oh, yeah, you're I mean, in for a not? penny, you're in for a pound. Exactly. At this point. You know, so, like you know, it's it's you know they're you're they're never going to win a horror movie bracket unless they are allowed to go up as a team um, against anybody, right? When we're looking at them pantheon wise, unless unless you look at all of the puppets as a team and whoever they're up against, you know if. if Freddy versus Blade is a one-sided fight, 
right? But Freddie <laughs> versus all of the puppets, well, I mean, maybe, you know, they can team up. They obviously are all very aware of what their strengths are. Um, I, I but it's it's the look, man. It's it's when you want to talk about how they're iconic, that's that's what it's all about. We talked about this with Jeepers Creepers last week and just about how huge it is to create a look that's memorable. And every one of these, I mean, is burned into your retinas after you've seen them. Like, you will never forget what these puppets look like. So, like I said, yeah, they're scary. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're obviously fearless and fearsome. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're not going to go one-on-one, toe-to-toe with anybody. Well, this goes back to what uh, David said. Like, the fact that the puppets, if you go by like a metric of like moment by moment in the movie, the puppets aren't in there that much. They really aren't. Right. The puppets are only in there for about a third of the movie. You know, the rest of it is all this other shit. But the puppets were the poster. That's how they sold it. You know, and it makes me think like, I don't know. Like, it makes me think that possibly they were like, maybe, maybe we can sell this on the whodunit thing. And they were like, <laughs> when it came out, they were like, no, it's the puppets. It's the fucking puppets. <laughs> Lead with the puppets. <laughs> yeah, it was like, well, can I get some more cocaine? Sure. All right. Well, you, just, you know. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I mirror exactly what what you all have said. Um, you know, Blade as the um, you know the the figurehead, I think works real well, and and he does I think have the most iconic look. Um, you know, there's there's something about that hook and and that knife. You know, as cute as they look, um, in, in and the his, things that poke out of his eyes when right, he gets yeah. his kill orgasm. Yeah, 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 yeah. His uh, his his eyegasms. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's weird, uh, but it works. You know, um, you know, and, and, and they in their own way, you know, in their own like, you know, itty bitty whittle way, uh, they they are they're cute, you yeah. know, uh, and, and, and I think that's part of it because there's there's a there's a humor factor there, um, which I think um, you have to be either incredibly sinister like um, Hellraiser's pinhead. Yeah. Or you have to have a sense of humor like Freddie and Jason do. And, and I think uh, all of these guys, there's, there is a sense of, of, of humor there. And there's a double entendre with them. You know, when, um, uh, when the, the, the sex addict gets killed, right. She was just previously being drilled by her husband and then she's drilled by Tunnler. you know, like, that's funny, you know, <laughs> when uh, when when the when her husband gets it, you know, uh, he's sucked to death, you know, uh, by <laughs> you know, it's, it's, this. This is funny stuff. And and I, I like the sense of humor that's there. Um, Gallagher himself, I think that he's he's creepy. And and anytime that he was on screen, there there was a sense of discomfort 
um, unfortunately, he didn't get that much screen time. Um, I would have loved to have seen more of him. Uh, but I think what we got was great. That dream sequence where they're dancing in the ballroom is is a really kind With of Venetian um, mask. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really uh, you know morose one. Like it's it's just it's it's macabre. You know. Yeah. Um, I and greatly I, shot. Yeah, it it really is. And actually, that whole sequence, that dream sequence, is one that I think is it's too long, but. I think it's the best sequence in the entire movie where, um, you know, he's, he dreams that Megan comes to him and she says, I got to show you something. And then she takes him to the ballroom and it's the same ballroom that he had dreamed about uh, towards the beginning of the movie. And then he wakes himself up and there are the heads of his friends laying in that the part. Of the was- <laughs> that was, that was the only point in the movie where I went, that's fucking cool. Yeah, that was a great gag. Yeah. That's yeah, also and- the point in the movie where it starts to get more convoluted. <laughs> it is. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. Uh, so it does kind of mark that as well. But um, it, you know, but then you find out, you know, well, he's got to wake up again. You know, so that that was a really great. Uh, the double game. dream. Uh, the double dream. dream. Yeah. I had actually written that down in my notes for this. And I didn't bring it up until now. I'm glad you brought it up. The yeah. double dream is an 80s thing i actually think there might have been a federal law that said they can't do it (laughs) they could only do it in 80s movies was the double dream yeah so i i mean as uh as killers i i think they're effective and i think it's really funny when like they just get flung across the room uh you know or or when someone is um like dana runs away you know from one you know, like yeah. that's it's really funny, uh, in 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 that in that regard. So uh, this was another aspect of the movie that that I I did enjoy. Um, you know, I I think there is stuff to like here. Um, it it's just unfortunate that it's in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of stuff to like, that brings us to the point in the show where we are now going to rate. Puppet Master, the straight to vi- the straight to video release from 1989, and as we have started doing last week with Summer Fan Fest, we are letting the person who picked this movie pick the metric because, as you may remember, we only rate a movie against itself, as it would be unfair to rate a movie against everything else. The horror genre is so big. When we're just looking at Puppet Master against itself, we're gonna rate it out of a five possible what, Charlie? All right, the metric I'm using. For this is gonna be uh, the fact that it was such a big straight to video release. It it really was a high watermark for that, and it set a standard that a lot of people tried to copy. And for all its warts, um, for all its problems, I'm still gonna get a four out of five. Four out of five. Because what though? What's the what's the the, the tag there? Because we don't do stars, so you gotta you gotta have something on it. Oh, I'm sorry. Four out of five puppets. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. It makes sense. And the reason I didn't give it five out of five was because of the soundtrack. It is. Uh, it's awful. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. David, I know you got a keyboard back there. Richard Band was the guy who did the soundtrack for this movie, and he was Charles Band's brother. 
So we had a real Frank Stallone situation (laughs) (laughs) going on with this. And, you know, I know, David, you pointed out uh, a lot of the problems with the movie. And they are absolutely warranted, but they are exacerbated by that goddamn keyboard. Yes, they are. Like (laughs) that $10 cash. Like when things are trying to be sexy. Guess what? They're not sexy anymore. <laughs> you know, when things are trying to be scary, they're not scary anymore because somebody is standing behind you with like a shoulder strap Casio keyboard that you could almost hear the Samba built in beat coming through it. And that's the only reason I gave it a four out of five. But other than that, I will give it props for what it is and what it did. Uh, because it set off kind of a spark for that genre of horror movie. I mean, the first direct-to-video horror movie, or the first direct-to-video movie, was a horror movie. And this one kind of upped the bar for a lot of people. And it didn't last, but it was a fun ride when it happened. All right, so we got one four out of five puppets. Dave, what do you give it? Uh, I'm going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum here because um, there there is a lot to like. Um, uh, but I, I think the, the best way to sum it up is um, how I said earlier. It's, it's just unfortunate that the characters are in this movie. Um, I am going to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go two out of five puppets here. Uh, and if I can pick the two puppets. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go tunnel I'm gonna go tunneler and 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 leech woman because I I think they give us two two of the punniest jokes in in the whole movie. Um, I I think that if I were to watch this movie with the right group of friends, uh, which is to say my friends, right? Um, <laughs> there, um, that that number of puppets might go up. You know, that might be three puppets, um, maybe three and a half puppets. Um, but on its own, like, I don't see myself watching this again. Um, I don't know that I'm going to watch Puppet Master 2. Um, I might just to see more of that. Um... You need to watch Puppet Master 2. <laughs> okay. It, o- only because. It is absolutely batshit insane. <laughs> o- only because you say so. I will watch Puppet Master yeah. 2. And I think Puppet Master 3 is a prequel. And I'd like to see more of uh, of Toulon. So um, so I, I, I think I'll, I'll maybe go as far as 3. Um, but uh, but not because I want to. <laughs> it's, it's because I have to. It's because I have to. You know, like there are those days that you come home from work and you drink because you want to. And there's those days that you come home from work and you drink because you have to. And, and, and I think this is one of those uh, because I have to moments. Um, is it a good movie? No. Is it enjoyable? Sometimes. Did I like it? Also, no. But were the characters <laughs> there? Yes. Were the characters good? Kind of. And would I recommend this? Um, not even drunk. <laughs> Fair. So... <laughs> I'm I'm actually gonna split the difference here. Um, I, it was I, it was like I said very early on. Act one, I was I was I was worried. 
I was worried, but as it, as it picked up steam and I kind of just let myself sink into it. Um, I, I did, I, I, it was like I said, yeah, it, it did have some funny stuff. It did have some memorable characters. So, um, so yeah, so I, I'm going to split the difference right there and come in and what'll be the average for this one. And I'm going to go three, I'm going to go three puppets on this one. Uh, give me blade, give me leech lady. And, uh, just, just, just for the aesthetics of it, go ahead and give me Jester. Right. So, um, but it, it was, you know, there, there's, there's, there's things to like, there's things to not like, you know, the, the idea of what I recommend it, you know, there's, there's going to be one or two people that I would, uh, listener to the sub, my buddy Schneider, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be like, Hey man, if you haven't seen puppet master, like you've got to catch this. It's an experience. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely not a recommend to everybody type thing. I was, I was last night when it was over, I was going to go lower, but man, I've been thinking about it and we've been talking and, and we've been laughing. I've been reliving some of those moments. Uh, so I, I, I think it just kind of sits right there in the middle with that three, that act one really bogged it down. That one, <laughs> there's a shot that they use of the exterior of the hotel and I don't know if the camera lens was dirty or what, but it made me like inspect that side of my TV and make sure that nothing had like gotten on it. No, the no, camera no, lens it's, was it's very painted. dirty. Yeah. Painted. Like that was it. That you were right the first time. It was <laughs> it was a very crappy matte painting. Yeah. Like they had taken shots of like waves crashing on there. It was a very Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom kind of matte painting that was that exactly right the there. example i was going to use when they're standing on that cliff right uh after yeah. they've, they've come out of the the the, the rail car tunnel yeah that's, yeah that's the best example and so i mean just you know there, there's little things like that that kind of immediately take you out of it but there, there's there is there's the really bizarre ending you know where like you said we don't ever see the incantation done but suddenly the dog's back to life but I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Right. Like uh, it was, it was enjoyable. Um, it was, it was a damn hot mess, but I, I laughed Tubi was, you know, this, this was one, I, I actually, I didn't mind commercials cause my brain did kind of need a break <laughs> this one streaming on Tubi was yeah. the only place Dave and I could <laughs> find it. And yeah, having commercials for this one wasn't bad because uh, I wasn't like, I desperately need to know what happens next. So I was like, yeah, all right. That's good. I could, I could use a breather. Give, well, I'm, Give me an ad for some weird life insurance company that involved a woman <laughs> feeding her husband to an alligator. Did you get that one? Day? Yeah. Yeah. And and then the disclaimer, you know, you can't actually murder your family and get the life insurance yes. payout. That was that was a real uh, funny commercial. I got a couple of times. Uh, I actually this was it is on iTunes. I could have purchased this one, uh, but I was very wary. Yeah, because uh, all the other purchases that I've made on iTunes, it's always a movie that I've seen uh, a couple times or or maybe I remember really liking it. But I, I didn't remember a damn thing about yeah. this movie. And um, so I was like, let me hold off on this purchase on this full price. Purchase. Yeah, don't buy it. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, That's why it was a rental. Yeah, yeah uh, there you go. Because <laughs> you, you didn't have to own it. Yeah, Tubi is streaming a bunch of these. That's how I started to find out how many there were before I got into the wiki. There's also on Tubi, there's a special called Bunker of Blood 1 that's just like a greatest hits clip, like a clip show of the Puppet Master movies. So while while I'm sure I'm not going to watch all 11, I'm also sure I am going to watch number two. At some point, 
I do believe I'm going to watch that because I'm like, yeah, I mean, you give me, give me, just give me a highlight reel. I'm sure I'll get everything I need. <laughs> They'll probably be able to do that with the Fast and Furious movies. Like, you're the car. Ten years in the future, yeah. they'll be able to c- compress all 27 movies there, it, into there, this I, kind of concentrated. I film. love the Fast and the Furious movies, but I am convinced that they're like Nickelback songs. If you stack them all on top of each other and play them all at the same time, you pretty much just get the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> Tokyo Drifts down stands apart. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. To- Tokyo Drift is a miss, but yeah, but I'll, no. I'll give you guys. I'll give you guys this. Uh, what Puppet Master did with the direct video thing spawned a lot of pretenders, you know, like to the throne and everything. People trying to do what Full Moon did. And there was one movie that came out, I think like a year later. It's called Demon Wind. I'll leave you guys with that. <laughs> Demon Wind. All right. Demon Wind. Watch it. It is the exact opposite of everything we've been talking about. Man, that is but, some box art. That is some box art, and it's also. Did you look it up? Yeah, it's it is. Yeah, is, it doesn't even begin art. to. Yeah, no, this thing is nine pounds of shit <laughs> in a two pound bag, man. Like it has everything. It's got time travel, kung fu, messiah complexes, actual uh, demon wind, everything. <laughs> So I'm going to leave you guys with that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, <laughs> hey, so we come to a final uh, show rating of three puppets uh, for Puppet Master. Charlie, thank you so much for recommending this one, man. Thank you for coming on. Is there anything out there you need the world to know about going on in your life? Uh, Nope. Just keep looking at the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Look, hey, um, Thank you guys for having me on. Hey, uh, oh, this was... Uh, our pleasure, man. Yeah, man. You were great. You obviously know your stuff. This has yeah. been a really good one. Um, as far as us here at Shiver, don't forget you can find us on all the social media at Shiver Pod. You can be watching us. We're Wednesdays at 9, 8 Central. You can watch us live on YouTube and Facebook. Episodes usually drops about a week or so later. We're a little bit off right now because of the whole baby fiasco, but we're getting back. We're getting to it. Yeah, we we I, I usually drop the episodes on Tuesdays the day before uh we uh we we go live and uh that didn't happen yesterday but i did drop the uh the episode today so so they're there you can find us on um iheart on uh, itunes and on spotify wherever you do find us though drop us a review you can review on all of those uh just just a couple of stars you know we'd love five move us up in that algorithm (laughs) but if you want to type up a little something Let us know how you feel about the show. Let us know what you think we could be doing better. And, of course, you can head to shiverpod.com where that will link you to our geek, our our section of the Geek Bro Network. Absolutely. Uh, And there at the Geek Bro Network, you can find a whole bunch of other podcasts like Seasons, a TV podcast. Better Let Me Tell You, uh, Mount Geek More, uh, What's Up Bro, A Dose of Ellie, Crimacopia, Kick Flicks, um comedy fitness yeah there you go yeah i think i think you got them all i think so yeah 
and I, I try to change up the order every time. That way, <laughs> yeah, I just that's you know, what always I, throws I me off because I'm like, I'm like, wait, he usually says that one at the end, but it's at the beginning. Okay, yeah, they're all there. So <laughs> yeah, so make sure you follow us. Make sure you find all that stuff. Also, one last thing: if you love our logo, found right here up in my square. If you're watching live, it is a dope ass logo. If you love our logo, don't forget that if you head to T Public and you search for either Shiver Pod or Geek Pro, you can buy merchandise, just about anything, with our logo on it. Dave always sports the coffee cup right here we've got some shirts they do tapestries they do it all so if you had to tee public you can make sure to pick up all of that absolutely so on behalf of all of us here on shiver fright you very much